the Lord, and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, this is our text verse by the way, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. And let's pray. Father, how we love you tonight. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to stand here once again and open your precious word. Lord, the, the infallible, inspired, inerrant word of God. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to preach. Thank you for these dear people, dear God, that have, uh, Lord, that have gathered together on a Sunday night, Lord, to be encouraged, to be perfected, to be edified. And I pray, Father, that work would be accomplished now. Lord, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. God, I pray you'd forgive me of any sin in my life that might be a hindrance. Lord, from uh, Lord communicating the Word of God effectively, but I pray also that you'd forgive any sin in the congregation that would hinder the Holy Spirit from, uh, Lord, having liberty to move in this service. Dear God, please do a work. Lord, we do want to be obedient to you. We do want you to guide us and direct us through this service. And so, Father, we commit this into your hands and pray that you'd guide our thoughts, guide our words, and may you be glorified through it all. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Psalm 34, as you'll notice in the heading of the chapter here, is a psalm of David. David, who at the moment of this writing is believed to be a relatively young man, was a man who had experienced some very high moments in his life. We could say that David had experienced some mountaintop moments in his life. In fact, if we do just a brief survey of the life of David, we find that he had experienced some amazing moments in his life. We rewind in David's life and we find that uh, he had been anointed to be the next king over Israel by the prophet Samuel. Uh, Surely a mountaintop moment in David's life. We find further that as a shepherd uh, there in the hills, the Bible says he killed both a lion and a bear. 1 Samuel 17, 34 and 35 tells us that David with his hands killed a lion and a bear. A mountaintop moment for David's life, no doubt. We obviously know the story of David and Goliath. Where David, by the power and the grace of God, with a sling and a stone, takes down one of the enemies of Israel, a man by the name of Goliath. And David uh, is able to take down Goliath. What a mountaintop moment that must have been for David. We find as the, as the people come back into the city after David had killed Goliath, that the ladies of the, the city there had wrote a song about David. In fact, I want us to look at that. 1 Samuel chapter 18. Would you take your Bible and turn over there? 1 Samuel chapter 18. In your Bible this evening, and look over at verse number six, if you would. First Samuel chapter eighteen and verse number six. David's on the mountaintop. The Bible says, First Samuel eighteen and verse six. And it came to pass, as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, that's Goliath, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing, to meet King Saul with tabrets and with joy, with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said. Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands, or his ten thousands, the Bible says there. Man, can you imagine being David in that moment? I mean, this is a mountaintop moment in David's life. How many of you enjoy those mountaintop moments? Amen? 
Come on now, let's all just be honest. We love being up on the mountaintop. We love being in those uh, areas of our life where, man, it's easy to breathe and it's smooth sailing and things are just going great and every bill's paid and we've got a clean bill of health. Man, that's, that's good stuff, isn't it? Amen. It's good to be on the mountaintops of life. But how many of you know, for every mountain, there's a valley? And the reality is, I want to say this tonight, and I've heard it said like this before, I think the reality is tonight that you're either currently in a valley, you're about to enter a valley, or you're just coming out of a valley. I think everybody in this room falls into one of those three categories this evening. And while we all love the mountaintops, man, we have to be honest enough to admit that there are valleys in life. Young people, the reality is, yea, and all that live godly, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's not all going to be smooth sailing. There are going to be mountaintops, and thank God for that. But if we're being honest tonight, there are going to be valleys. And that's exactly what we find in 1 Samuel 18. I want you to look down at verse number 8. As David really enters into the valley of his life. Look at verse number 8. The Bible says, and Saul was very wroth. In other words, he was angry, indignant, and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? Notice this part. And Saul eyed David from that day and forward. We know the story. Saul becomes extremely jealous. In fact, he becomes jealous to the point that he begins to desire to seek the life of David, to take his life, to kill David. Look at verse 10. And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house. And David played with his hand, as at other times. And there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence Twice. Now, I don't know about you. I've never had anybody so upset with me that they're trying to take my life. I've been through some pretty deep valleys, and I've, you know, I've, I've been through, through some stuff before, but man, I've never had somebody who was coming after me for their life. In fact, look at chapter 19 and verse 1. We find Saul takes it a step further. Saul, man, he had it out for David. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 19, 1, and Saul spake to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. This is the context for Psalm 34. David is in a valley. David is on the run. David is evading Saul, the king of Israel, and David is evading Saul's servants as they try to take his life. I think we can all agree David has went from the mountaintop down into the valley. But what we find in Psalm 34, and don't miss this part tonight, I hope you'll get a hold of this, and I hope this will be an encouragement to you, is that while David was victorious on the mountaintop, what we'll find in Psalm 34 is that when David went down into the valley, David remained victorious down in the valley. And I think we can learn some things from this text that would help us to be victorious in the valley. I want to give you two points tonight. Number one, the prayer of the fearful. The prayer of the fearful. Look at Psalm 34 and verse number 4. We read these words of David as he is on the run from Saul. Verse 4, David says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me, note this, from all my, what's the word? Fears. Good job. From all my fears. This is our first sub point here. We see, first of all, his reality. His reality. David says here, he refers to his fears. Now, 
The word fear is defined as an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous and likely to cause pain or threat. We understand that David is very fearful of the reality that Saul's going to take his life. Saul's searching for him. Saul's on the manhunt looking for David. And David, the Bible says here, he has fears. Now, some fears are very legitimate. There's something called arachnophobia that a lot of people deal with. It's called the fear of spiders. Anybody else have that fear in here tonight? Anybody? few of you? Okay. There's another fear called ophidiophobia. That's the fear of snakes. I'm going to put my hand up on that one. Amen? Amen. Some, you know, another fear that I read about was something called aerophobia, which is the fear of heights. Anybody have the fear of heights? All right, a couple of you. And then there's another one called, uh, let's see here, it's called acrophobia. Which is, uh, well, the fear of heights. But aerophobia, I'm sorry, is the fear of flying. Anybody have the fear of flying? Anybody? Okay. Well, some of these are certainly very uh, legitimate fears. There are some fears that we might find illegitimate. I found a few of these, just thought they were kind of funny. One's called xanthrophobia, which is, called, which is the fear of the color yellow. This is all legitimate. In fact, I found this on the internet, so we know it's true, right? Amen. Something called turophobia, which is the fear of cheese. Come on now, what in the world? <laughs> Somnophobia, which is the fear of falling asleep. Hylophobia, which is the fear of trees. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't understand that kind of stuff. But let's be honest for a second. While those were kind of funny, I think every one of us can relate to David. There's probably somebody under the sound of my voice tonight, and if you were being really honest, there's something in your life that makes you fearful. Maybe it's a health problem. Maybe it's a family issue. Maybe it's a financial issue that's sitting in front of you right now. And this, this has really brought you to a place of, of fear. The word fear here in the, in the text is a word that speaks of fright or terror. But it's interesting, if you look in your concordance, you find that this word fear also means a storehouse or a place of residence. In fact, in Haggai 2 and 19, the word fear is translated to the English word barn. Why is that? And I think the answer to that is because many times in our lives, and I hope you'll hear my voice tonight, hear my words tonight, fear is not just a part of our life, but I think many times fear becomes the place where we live our lives. We wake up thinking about this thing that has captivated our life. I can imagine as David every day wakes up and is reminded that Saul is on, uh, is on the manhunt for David. I can imagine every night preacher as David tries to go to sleep as he thinks, I wonder if Saul or his men will find me while I'm in my sleep. This was something for David that had not just become a part of his life, but it had become the place where he was living his life. And I don't know what that is for you tonight. It's going to be different for all of us. But I have a feeling there's some people here tonight who could relate to that. And while fear is not something that we can completely avoid, let me say that it should not become the place where we lay our heads at night. The Bible even tells us in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7 that God has not given to us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Romans chapter 8 and verse 15 tells us that we have not received the spirit of a bondage, a bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And man, while I thank God for those verses, and they're all absolutely true, the reality is for David and the reality is for many of us is that we live in a place of fear. We see that's the reality, but the next sub point is the resort. Look at the verse, Psalm 34, verse 4. I hope you'll stay with me. We're going to go somewhere together tonight. 
Psalm 34 verse 4. Note the first four words of the verse. David says, I sought the Lord. And this is a valuable lesson for us to learn from David tonight when he was in his valley. The Bible says David sought the Lord. In David's season of fear, he intentionally lifted his eyes up to the God of heaven. David, in his season of fear, in his place of fear, the Bible says David lifted his eyes to the eternally existent God who was the creator of heaven and earth. And what's interesting about this passage is you should note the word sought. The word sought is a word that means to resort to. Now, David is in a place of what? He's in a place of fear. But David says, in my place of fear, I sought the Lord. I resorted to the Lord. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I think about a resort, I can't help but think about vacation. Anybody else with me? I can't help but think about uh, a vacation, a place where, a place of rest, a place of refuge, a, a place where I'm not serving, but a place where somebody is serving me. I, that's what I think about. And for many of us, we can relate. There are many people in our world today, man, they live for that one week out of the year or those two weeks out of the year that they call vacation. In fact, they, they just have it circled on their calendar and they just can't wait for those uh, two weeks out of the year where they get to go to Disney World and just try to like kind of pretend like everything else in the world doesn't exist for a week or two weeks. But I thought about this. Well, there's nothing wrong with vacation, man. We love doing those types of things and I thank God for those times. It's a sad existence to live your life in a way where you suffer through 50 out of 52 weeks of the year. Only to try to escape for two weeks out of the year and try to blind yourself to say, well, I'm going to get to a place where I can just pretend like the rest of that stuff doesn't exist only to come right back to it. David, the Bible says, David, get a hold of this. David is in a place of fear. And what did he do? The Bible says he resorts to, he seeks out the Lord. God did not intend for our lives to be, or God did not intend for us to live our lives constantly awaiting that one week out of the year where we can resort, where we can escape. Uh, think about those words, fear. I said it means a storehouse. A, it's a, a place of labor, a place of work, a place where I minister. But the Bible says David sought the Lord. He sought the Lord. It's a place of rest, a place of refuge, a place where I am ministered to. May I tell you that that's where Jesus invited us? Would you take your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11? Man, I feel like I'm speaking to somebody tonight who's down in the valley. How do we get victory in the valley? Man, it's not too hard to have victory on the mountaintop, but what do we do when we get down in the valley? The Bible says David's reality was that he was in a place of fear. But in that moment of fear, David resorted to the Lord. Matthew 11 and verse number 28, our Lord Jesus Christ extended an invitation to every one of us in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, He said these wonderful words, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Listen to this now. And I will give you rest. Rest. We use this verse a lot, but the Bible says in Hebrews 4 and verse number 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Man, I'm glad to report to you this evening that in your reality, in your place of fear, you have permission, you have an invitation to to come to the Father for help. I thank God for that. You You want to love life? Well, it won't happen merely by becoming successful and wealthy. 
And furthermore, hear me out tonight, church family. It won't happen by joining the Disney Vacation Club, although I'm not opposed to that. But that's not going to bring you the rest that you need. The rest that you need will be found as you refuse to dwell in the place of fear and choose to live every day of your life in the presence of your Heavenly Father. We see the prayer of the fearful, His reality. We see His resort. We see His rest next. Look what he says in the, I love this, verse 4, Psalm 34 and verse 4. David says, I sought the Lord. I'm glad the verse doesn't end there, amen. He says, I sought the Lord. And what happened? He heard me. And he delivered me from all of my fears. What happened when David resorted to God in the time of his fear? The Bible says God heard his prayer. Aren't you thankful for a God who hears our prayers? Amen. I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know what valley you're going through this evening. But I'm so glad to tell you we have a God who is very intimately connected. He knows what we're going through. In fact, the Bible says that he's a God who knows how many hairs are on our head. He's a God who's aware. There's a whole philosophy called deism that teaches that God just started the earth and He created humanity and that He just left it be and He has no uh, no involvement. But I'm thankful that's not the God of the Bible. The Bible says David, in his moment of fear, in his moment of, of, of being in the valley, he called out to God and he said, God heard me. But notice that in this next part, he says he heard me and what? He delivered me. You know what the word delivered means? This is so good. The word delivered means the Lord delivered means to snatch away. Now, physically, get hold of this. Physically, preacher, David was still in that cave. Physically, David was still down in the valley. But when he got on his knees and when he sought after the Lord, when he went and resorted to the Lord, the Bible says David said, "God delivered me. He snatched me away from that place." Now, I'll be honest with you, sometimes God doesn't always physically deliver us from our place of fear. But I'm thankful that God can deliver us uh, emotionally. God can deliver us uh, spiritually. And we can understand the greatness of our great God in spite of the miserable circumstances that are all around us. Physically, David was still in that cave. But spiritually, David said, the Lord delivered me out of this thing. Joseph Scriven wrote the words to this wonderful hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. But listen to this part. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Hey, I don't know what valley you're in tonight. I don't know every person's story in this place. But I just have a feeling tonight, preacher, that there's some people in this place who are down in the valley. And I just have a question for you. Have you resorted to the Lord? Have you called out to Him? Have you went to Him for help? We see the prayer of the fearful. Let me give you this number two. The power of His faith. The power of his faith. David, in this moment of fear, resorts to the Lord. David rises up in the power of faith. What is faith? Sometimes we think of, when we think of faith, we place it in the context of a life that is perfect, a life that is put together, the life that has no problems and no concerns. In fact, there's a whole group of people, so-called Christians, that would teach you that if you're having any problems in life, it's because you're lacking in faith. Nothing could be further from the truth. This is my definition of faith. Maybe you want to write this down tonight. Faith is believing God in spite of the circumstances. Can I say that one more time? 
Faith is believing God in spite of the circumstances. Interestingly, as we see David choosing to resort to the Lord in his time of valley, in his time of difficulty, his faith in God has increased and his choice to pray, to resort to God, has a profound impact. I want you to notice the next sub-point is his family and friends. His family and friends. Now, I hope you're with me tonight. I hope this will be a help to you. Notice verse number 5, Psalm 34. Look at your Bible in verse number 5. First in verse 4, David says, I sought the Lord. He delivered me. But notice verse 5. This is interesting. David says, they looked unto him. Now, who is this text referring to when it says they looked? That was the question that hit me as I'm studying this message out. One thing we know for certain is that when David fled from Saul, he fled alone. Would you take your Bible and go to 1 Samuel 21? Let's do a little Bible study just briefly this evening and let's notice what the Bible teaches us. 1 Samuel 21 and go to verse number 1. I'll give you a moment to flip there. 1 Samuel 21 and verse 1. David is running from Saul. The Bible says, Then came David to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David, and said unto him, Why art thou, what's the word, alone, and no man with thee? So when David leaves Saul's presence, he goes to the priest Ahimelech, and the Bible says that he notes that he's alone. Now I'll take your Bible and go to chapter 22, and verse number 1. The next time we see people with David is in 1 Samuel 22 and verse number 1. The Bible says, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And notice this, when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. One commentary said that David's family came to escape the effects of Saul's rage, which seemed to have extended to all David's family. So David's family find out that he is in the cave of Adullam, and so they gather their things and they go to him. But not only that, we notice also that his friends come. Look at chapter 22, verse number 2. So his family's coming, but notice this. And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them. And notice this, there were with him about 400 men. Don't get me wrong, I'm sure that David was happy to have some people that would join him, some company in this cave, in this valley. But I I think we need to note the poor condition of these people. Number one, these were people of distress. That's what the Bible says in 1 Samuel 22. The Bible says that all that were distressed came unto him. The word distress speaks of extreme anxiety. It speaks of sorrow and pain. It speaks of disability. Next, these were people of debt, the Bible says. Referring to people who had no financial means. They had used up all of their financial resources and were leaning on the others to pay their way. Thirdly, these were people of discontent, which means they were people of bitterness. Now, follow the story right here. Imagine you're David. You were up on the mountaintop. You're down in the valley. You're running for your life. Now you're waiting it out in a cave called Adullam. And all of a sudden, one night, I can imagine as David is awake, awoken from his sleep and he hears uh, the sound of voices. 
And he hears the the chatter of people and he walks out and begins to see a group of people that are making their way to the cave. And as he notices, he notices some of his family is in this group of up above 400 people. But not only that, David begins to notice their condition. And as they get closer, David begins to understand that these people are not going to be people who can really assist him or help him in his situation. You know why? Because they were in a valley of their own. These were people who were also distressed. These were people of debt. These are people who were uh, discontented. These were not people that were going to be a blessing to David or really going to be a help to David. And it's from that context that we see Psalm 34, 6. Would you look at it with me? Psalm 34 and verse 6. David is very aware of their condition. In fact, look what he says in verse 6. This poor man cried. David looked around preacher and said, man, we are in a bad condition. Have you ever been there in life? Anybody can relate to that? Is everybody up on the mountaintop tonight or you ever been down in the valley before? And you looked around and you saw other people in the valley with you. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly what happened here. David's friends and family come to him, but man, they're people who have their own needs. They're people who are in their own valley. And David says, man, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. David realized, and don't miss this tonight, David realized the nature of his situation. The word poor means to be depressed in mind or in circumstances. Maybe some of you would define your life as that right now. David realized he was aware of the condition of of his own condition, but also aware of the condition of those who are now joining him. So what did David do? Well, he couldn't cry to the people that joined him. They had their own needs. They had their own issues. And to be quite honest, they were going to be of absolutely no help to David. So what did he do? He cried to the Lord. Preacher, I think so many times we have a bad habit of crying to other people who are also in the valley. Many times it seems that prayer is our last resort when it should be our first response. Can I get a witness tonight? Amen. Whenever you get to the place where you feel like you have no place to go, can I remind you of something tonight? You can always go to God. In fact, Psalm 9, listen to these words, Psalm 9, verses 9 through 10, say these words, The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in time of trouble, and they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. We see David's friends and family. Notice letter B, their focus. Would you look back at verse number 5? I hope you're following the story here, because we're going to go somewhere here. Psalm 34, verse 5, David says, They looked unto him. In the midst of the storm, Psalm 34, 4 says that David sought the Lord. David resorted to Jehovah God. David intentionally took his eyes off of the poor circumstances of his life and he lifted his eyes to the powerful creator of the universe. But what's amazing about that is that in verse 5, the Bible tells us, get a hold of this. That not only did David look to the Lord, but these people looked with him. These people, remember their condition? In debt, discontented, distressed. They looked unto him. Take note of the process here. David refers to my fears. But then David says, I saw, he heard, he delivered. Verse 5, they looked. You see, David's renewed focus affected the focus of his family and his friends. 
Hey, church family, I wonder tonight what would happen, what, what would have happened to these people if David would not have resorted to the Lord in his valley. I wonder what's going to happen to your family and friends if you don't resort to the Lord in your valley. David resorted. David looked to God. David sought the Lord. But the Bible says that they looked with him. Never underestimate the power of one person making one choice. It can make all the difference in the world. I I want to give you just two more things and I'm done. Letter C, we see their faces. Look what happens in verse 5. Man, I love this. Now get the picture here before we look at verse 5. David is running for his life. David's down in the valley. Above 400 people come, and man, they're down in the valley. Man, that'd be a pretty rough cave to be in. Would you all agree with that? Amen. A bunch of discouraged, depressed, defeated people sitting around and moping and thinking, when's the end coming? David gets it in his heart. He says, I'm going to look to God. In the midst of my valley, I'm going to resort to the Lord. They looked with David, and look what happens, verse 5. They looked unto him, and were, what's the word? Light, lightened. And their faces were not ashamed. You know the word lightened here is interesting. It means to sparkle. It means to shine. It means to be cheerful. You know what happened? Don't miss this. In the cave of Adullam, these people had a worship service. (laughs) In the midst of pitiful, poor circumstances all around them, there was a group of people led by David who rose up in the midst of those circumstances and said, you know what, the things that are happening around us are not very good. And I can imagine as they were sad and as their faces were just, uh, as their faces were fallen and as they may have been crying, I don't know the whole scenario, but the Bible says, David says, hey, let's stop all this moping, let's stop all this complaining and whining in the valley and let's lift our eyes to a God who is greater than the valley that we're in right now and as they do something happened here the bible says these people who walked into the cave discouraged depressed discontented these people got their eyes on the lord and as they got their eyes on the lord the bible says that their faces were lightened they begin to sparkle they begin to shine the bible says they began to be cheerful because they looked to the lord Also note the words that David uses to define them after they had looked to the Lord. Look what he says in verse 5. Their faces were not ashamed. The word ashamed means to be reluctant to do something through fear of embarrassment or humiliation. This speaks of their mindset or their attitude. When these people came to David, I believe they were very well aware of their condition. They knew that they were people of distress. They knew they were people of debt. They knew they were people of discontent. Therefore, they knew they were not going to be much help to him. I wonder how many people walked into the church house tonight feeling the same way. Overwhelmed by health issues. Overwhelmed by financial issues. Overwhelmed by family issues. And if you were being honest, you'd have to say, hey, it's been captivating my life. It's a fear. It's drug me down into the valley. So what should we do? We should follow the example of these these people and take our eyes off of our poor condition. Take our eyes off of our pitiful circumstances and lift up our eyes to our powerful Creator tonight. These ones who were ashamed in light of themselves were suddenly not ashamed when they looked to the Lord. Well, I've seen that happen a time or two in my life. People walk into the service and man, they're under a heavy load and they're under a load of discouragement and depression and defeat. 
But when we begin to exalt the name of Jesus Christ, we begin to exalt our great God through song and through the preaching of the Word of God. And Man, I tell you what, as that song says, burdens are lifted at Calvary. And man, as Jesus is lifted up, people begin to be encouraged. And I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know what valley that you might be facing. But I am here to tell you tonight that there's help in Jesus tonight. There's help in our great God. Maybe the reason you're in a valley tonight, maybe the reason you're struggling in your valley tonight is because you haven't found your resort in the Lord. And may I say tonight, so long as you keep your eyes on you, so long as you keep your eyes on your circumstances, disappointment and discouragement are certain. I'm going to tell you something. That's why it's important to be faithful to the house of God. Because this is a place where your pastor who has been looking to the Lord all week is going to gather us together and say, hey, let's all look to the Lord. Let's all lift up our eyes above our surroundings and let's look to the Savior. Let's lift up our eyes above the problems and look at the provider. Let's lift up our eyes above the circumstances to the Creator. That's why it's important to be in a good Sunday school class. That's why it's important to be faithful to your prayer and your Bible reading on a daily basis. Amen. Because every day you open this word, you get your eyes on the Creator and get your eyes off of the circumstances. Like somebody said, sometimes maybe we need to stop telling our uh, God how big our storm is and start telling our storms how big our God is. Amen. We serve a big God tonight. Amen. He's the same God who said, let there be light. And there was light. He's the same God who parted the waters of the Red Sea. He's the same God who healed blinded eyes and made the lame to walk and caused the blinded eyes to see. He's the same God who said to Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus got up out of the grave and came forth. He's the same God who conquered death, hell, and the grave when he rose victoriously on the third day. Amen. That's our God. He's greater than your circumstances tonight. We see their faces. But let me say, finally, we see their following. Now, I want you to take your Bibles and turn back to 1 Samuel. And this is the last place I'm going to have you turn. I think this is kind of the, you know, this is the hook of the message right here. So don't miss this. The last point we see tonight is their following. Take your Bible and turn to 1 Samuel 22. And I want you to look at verse number 2. And I'm done this evening. You've been great listeners. Thank you. 1 Samuel 22 and look at verse number 2. We know the story now that we've studied it out. Verse 2, and everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. Who is him? David. Now notice this next part. And he became a captain over them. He became a captain over them. Now I want you to write this down and get a hold of this thought tonight. David, who used to be a loner, He was a shepherd who sat out by himself with the sheep. David, who used to be a loner, became a leader because he was a looker. Did you get that tonight? David, who was a loner, became a leader because he was a looker. David, in his valley, got his eyes on the Lord. And there were some other people who followed David's advice, who followed David's example and said, hey, if he's going to look to the Lord, we're going to look to the Lord. And you know what they said? After they got encouraged, after they had that worship service in the cave, they said, man, we want to follow this guy. I want to tell you something. I don't know if you're a bus captain, a Sunday school teacher, a mom, a dad, a grandma, a grandpa. Uh, I don't know what your condition is, but I'm going to tell you something. If you want to be a leader, you need to become a looker. 
You need to be one who is every day lifting your eyes and looking to a great and powerful God who is greater than the circumstances around you. And I'll tell you something, just like David, if you'll be faithful to get in this word and let God show himself to you, if you'll be faithful to these church services and let your preacher preach the word of God and let the music encourage you and and guide you through all these things. Listen, as you keep looking to God, God will exalt you to a place of influence. I believe that. David who was a loner, became a leader because he was a looker. Where are you at tonight? Are you in a valley? Like I said at the beginning, you're either in a valley, coming out of a valley, or about to go through the valley. And I have a question. What are you going to do in the valley? Let's bow our heads tonight. If you're in the valley,